All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Can you see it? Did you notice? Check, but the puck comes right to Pedersen, who tries a bank pass for Besser. In with a shot, he scores! A moment's notice. You're listening to Canucks Conversation. Quinn Hughes beat reporter here. Like, I don't, I won't cover the Canucks. I cover Quinn Hughes and what he's doing to the Canucks. A member of the Nation Network of Podcasts and delivered by DoorDash. Just wave the guy and get Demko involved. I wanted them in and down. Wow. We should do a radio show together. <laughs> right on. I want to bump you right now. What Pearl steals, cutting in, shoots, scores! Don't waste all the good stuff on the off air. Let's go.
Hello Canucks fans, and welcome back to another episode of the Canucks Conversation, brought to you by the great folks over at Montana's. Montana's has their comfort menu. You've heard us talk about it before. Uh, my personal favorite, because it's a, often the topic of conversation on this show, uh, is the wings. So be sure to go check out Montana's seven locations across British Columbia. Uh, go check them out. Bit of a shorter ad read today because we've got some news, Chris. We're recording this on a Tuesday morning. Uh, not a live show. We decided to just dive right into it. And Wednesday, we'll be back with a live show at 1 p.m., our normal time. But Tuesday, we're doing an early morning podcast, getting it out there for all the listeners to listen to. Uh, just didn't have time to do a uh, emergency podcast last night. But we're here today. Uh, Bo Horvat is a member of the New York Islanders. The news coming down around 2.58. Very exact. I, I'm not sure if that was the exact time. But uh, it was around 3 o'clock in the afternoon on Monday Bo Horvat is a New York Islander. Your thoughts on the deal, Chris? Yeah, pretty, uh, pretty wild day. It was funny because we, you know, we joked about it. We put out a put out a tweet that was like, "Oh, we're gonna take you know a week off here a little bit, just do the Wednesday." As soon as I sent out that tweet, I was just wondering, like, okay, well, when's the Bo Horvat trade gonna drop, right? Because now the tweet's out there. Now we're gonna have to do an emergency episode. Uh, obviously, it was a busy night last night at Canucks Army, but I'm stoked to get this one out this morning. Uh, and quickly on Montana's before we go any further, we got some, uh, we got a contest with Montana's as well, which. We'll talk about more on the live show there, uh, but a nice little giveaway with some gift cards coming up for some folks. So we'll get to that on the live show, uh, but be sure to check in for that. Uh, by the way, live show, uh, Monday to Friday, 1 o'clock. Uh, check us out on YouTube. It's a good time over there. Let's get into the Horvat deal. Uh, okay, we'll just start with the trade, I guess, of course, because like I was there talking to Patrick Alvin. I was on the call with Bo Horvat. Uh, I was on the call with Lou Lamorello, so... A lot of uh, information to take in. I think we're going to run more of the quotes from Patrick Alvine on the live show tomorrow just to kind of break it down a little bit more. But let's just talk about the trade. So Anthony Bavillier, Atu Ratu, and a protected first-round pick in this year's draft. The protection on that first-round pick is that is is oh, if it is a top-12 pick in this year's draft, it gets moved to next year's draft, which... Let's start there. Let's start with the first round pick and the protection there because I feel like this is where the Canucks can get massive value on this deal. And if this trade ends up moving to 2024, I think that's the best case scenario, right? Like if uh, the Islanders right now, which is crazy to think about it, like they make this huge trade, right? They go out and they make this big trade for Bo Horvat. He was obviously the big fish. The Islanders aren't the Islanders aren't just one spot out of the playoffs. Like they're two spots out of a wild card spot, right? Like they're sitting right now uh, behind the Buffalo Sabres in a spot where they're chasing for a wild card spot. The wild card uh, position right now, Washington Capitals have 58 points. Pittsburgh Penguins have 57. Buffalo Sabres have 56 and the Islanders have 55. So like they're currently trailing and not in a playoff spot. They decided to make this big push for Bo Horvat. Obviously it's a huge ad for them, but if they end up missing the playoffs this year and end up keeping that pick, it's going to be very interesting to see what happens after that because I don't think that this Islanders team is is really like that good to think that they're going to be consistently a playoff team. So when I look at this trade, uh, Atu Ratu is kind of the guy that you have to talk about a lot, right? Like he's the 20-year-old prospect that I really liked from just seeing some of the highlights of his goals yesterday. Obviously going to have to watch a lot more of him to see what are some of the weaker parts of his game. But just seeing the way he scored in the AHL and the way they scored in the NHL, like Really good hands on this kid. Really good release. Strong shot. Uh, was able to score from the bumper position on the power play at the HL level. So kind of something good there if you're looking for a replacement for Horvat down the road. But really like what you see from this 20-year-old kid. He had a big jump after getting drafted. And, and you'll remember, like, Atu Ratu was... He, he was kind of 
I mean, he's one of those guys where, like, at 16, it felt like he was going to be a top three pick. And then just didn't really end up having a good draft season. I mean, dropped a ton. Uh, but he, he ended up sliding to the second round. 52nd overall goes to the Islanders. But since being drafted, had some really good seasons. Had a point-per-game season, basically, uh, in the Finnish Liga. And then he made the jump over here to North America at 20 years old. So there's a lot to like in that situation. He was 19, actually, when he got here to North America to play. So one of those teenagers jumping into the AHL. But he's had a decent amount of success so far. Um, so a lot to dive into. Let's do the first round pick right off the bat. What are your thoughts on that? Because that's where I really think, like, hey, if this Islander, if this Islanders team falls off, like that's where you can have massive value. If if they just do not make the playoffs this year, end up keeping that pick in the top twelve, and then kind of go into next season and suck, like that is the ideal situation I think for Canucks fans. I think that's the most valuable piece in this draft. And again, we have to see how Atu Ratu turns out. And I don't think there's any question Beauvillier is going to come in and play in the top nine, but I don't think he's going to be the most valuable piece in this trade. Like, I think it's that first round pick. And you brought up the top 12 protection. So I'm almost looking at it as in, if you look at the worst case scenario for Atu Ratu, right? And knock on wood, of course. But if you look at the worst case scenario for Atu Ratu, it's that... He's not going to play in the NHL, and he's going to be an AHLer for life, and he's just going to be, you know, I don't want to use the word bust, but he's not going to play in the NHL. Like, that's the worst-case scenario for Ratu. The worst-case scenario for Beauvillier, it's similar. It's He never meshes with the Canucks, and they have to buy him out or whatever, right? And I know he's only got one year left, and the Canucks might look, look to offload some wingers here. My main point isn't so much about that. It's more so that... The worst case scenario for this draft pick, Chris, aside from it being used to draft someone who's not great and turns out to be a bust, the worst case scenario for this pick right now is that the Canucks draft in the 16 range, right? Like, (laughs) that'd be the worst case scenario is that the Canucks earn a pick where they are drafting in the middle of the first round, right? In this year's draft. And that's where a lot of the defensemen in this draft are slated to go. Well, no, like... if. If you think about it, it could be like the 32nd pick, right? That would be the worst case scenario if the Islanders win the Stanley Cup. So here's my point is I don't think that's going to happen, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> I, I, I don't, I don't think that's, that's even on the radar. If I'm being honest with you, like, I don't think that's a scenario in my head. Like I'm looking at it in terms of the worst case scenario is either the Canucks keep the pick and have to use it in the middle of the first round this year. And I'd say the best case scenario is the Islanders miss this year. And then it turns into a Bowen Byram type deal where the Colorado Avalanche uh, took it from the Ottawa Senators and managed to draft in the top five, right? Like, I, I think that's the best case scenario uh, is the Canucks draft top five with this pick next year. And again, I think it's plausible that that actually happens. I don't, again, like I, I'm looking at this first round pick and I'm just thinking like, okay, all of the bad scenarios, maybe not worst case because you just described the worst case, I suppose. But all of the the bad scenarios that could happen seem like they're pretty in favor of the Canucks. Like, it seems like a good situation for the Canucks. And I know there were some people that pointed out that there was no defenseman taken uh, in, this, in this trade. Like, they didn't go for a defenseman. And one thing I wonder, and again, not reporting anything here, but one thing I wonder is just if the Canucks will go to the draft, and how many times do I bring up Kirby Doc? I, my challenge is to go one week without bringing up the Kirby Doc situation with Montreal, but... Like, what are the chances the Canucks go into this draft with two first-round picks under their belt, right? And they flip a first and maybe, I don't know, like, I don't know what other asset you'd have to give up. I don't know. Anything you want, like a later-round later, later round pick or whatever for, like, a young defenseman, 
right? Like, Brock Faber um, was sent along with a first-round pick for Kevin Fiala, right? So, you know, I'm not trying to just throw out names there, but, like, I wonder what it would cost for the Canucks to get someone like a Brant Clark or like a Brock Faber, right? Like, you'd have to imagine it starts with a first-round pick, right? But adding that young right-shot defenseman, I think that's something the Canucks would like to do. And, like, again, I'm not saying I want to see them do this. I'm just saying that what we've been hammering home for the past month and a bit about get a first round pick. Like we're not able to have this conversation if they just hang on to Bo Horvat, right? Like if they hang on to Bo Horvat, we're not able to say, yeah, well he makes sense for Minnesota or he makes sense for this, this team. Like he can, you know, he can return, return you a top, uh, top defenseman back a top defense prospect. It's like, no, those teams want to keep those prospects, right? And they want to add to their prospect pool. I don't, again, like, I don't know for sure, but there there's definitely value there for both sides, it make, it seems. So I would like to see the Canucks kind of explore that. I, I wonder if it's something that they'll do. Because um, again, like I, I don't think they really, they want to have two draft picks, if I'm being honest with you, like two first round picks. Like I think they would like to try to see what values out there to, you know, like, like they always say, retool this team, right? Yeah, I think... It, it's going to be really interesting because, like, we we touched on that first round pick, and think about how how bad the Canucks have been the last few years. If you look at the last two years, and you look at just the overall points percentage, the Vancouver Canucks are the twentieth team in the league for points percentage over the last two years. The Islanders are nineteenth. So, like, the volatility that they have in that kind of organization with winning and losing, uh, and winning not really being a consistent thing is something that you should be excited about with that first round pick. And I think what you're what you're kind of saying there is like even if it's let's just say they they get into the playoffs, right? The Islanders do, and we end up seeing this pick be somewhere in the eighteen to twenty four range. Like that's where the defensemen are gonna start flying in this draft. So that you have the option there where yes, you can draft a defenseman, or like you said, like you could look to the market and you could see if there is a young defenseman that a team maybe isn't believing in as much, but you believe in, and they want to kind of just go out and draft another one. But like the best thing that's coming out of this is options, finally, right? Like it is giving you options, or maybe you add to your first round pick and you get a legitimate guy who can play with Quinn Hughes for for some years, right? Like I think you can find that right defense prospect or young player for a pick in the 20s in the low 20s uh, as well as maybe adding something of value to it whether it be like we we've talked about this and I think the rumors have been around for a while but like Niels Huglander is going to find a, it's going to be tough for him to kind of fit into this lineup it feels like with how much they have on the wings right so like is the combination of Niels Huglander plus that first round pick enough to get you a good right shot defenseman that you can you know think can contribute with Quinn Hughes for years I think that's pretty close like I, I do think that you're pretty close there to adding that right defense player there and it'll be interesting to see but the biggest thing I look at is just the flexibility and now having some options going into this draft to do it so I'm excited about it like I'm I think we should touch on just our feeling about the whole trade right now, actually, because I, I look at this trade and I think, okay, and, and I had a lot of my friends who, you know, just my friends from the island and folks kind of reaching out like, uh, they're like, hey, I know you're busy, but like, I need to know how I feel about this trade. And I just replied to everyone and I said, it's good, right? Like one word would say it's it's good. I don't think this is a deal that's massive and incredible return for the Vancouver Canucks. I think it's great that they got this deal done at this point as well. I think this really helps kind of set the the direction of how this season's going to go. We saw that kind of the first little step down that path with the Mikheyev situation and how he was shut down. But 
this really takes that huge step down that road of like, hey, we're not going to be that good. Okay, like this isn't a season where we're going to try and go on a, a, you know, a Rick Tockett bump throughout the rest of the year and make a run towards the playoffs and finish with 85 points and, you know, just be outside the playoffs. This is like, hey, we're taking a step back. We just traded our captain, the guy who is one of the top scorers in the NHL right now. So I like that that's the direction of it. But how do you feel about the trade? Because like I kind of said to everyone that asked me, I think it's good. But I don't think it's like, it's not at great level for me. It's a good deal, I think, in the end. It, it's something that we've talked about for a long time. What are the Canucks going to get for Bo Horvat? Likely a first-round pick, a top prospect, and a roster player. They got all three of those. So I think it's a good deal in the end. But like I said, I don't think it's, I don't think it's really getting close to the level of being like, this is amazing, this is great. To me, it's just good. I don't know how you feel about it, Quads. Well, I would say it's great given the circumstances, right? But it almost feels like a little bit that the Canucks may have painted themselves into a corner with, you know, the J.C. Miller extension and not, you know, not flipping him at the deadline because, you know, people out there and this was never going to happen. But, you know, you would have probably liked to see them flip both because you look at the packages that you would have gotten at last year's draft. Like if the Canucks pulled off a trade for JT Miller, right, last year, where let's say they get the Rangers package, where they get Lundqvist, Heedle, and a first. Like, the Canucks are in better, much better shape if they make that trade and then also make this Bo Horvat trade, but they're also in much better shape if they make that trade and don't even make this Bo Horvat trade, I would say. But, again, that's not, that's not the way it went, and there's no sense, you know, crying over spilled milk, as I always like to say. So... I think this trade's great, given the circumstances. I just don't think that the circumstances weren't completely self-inflicted for the Canucks. And I know I worded that very weird, but I just, I I, I think the circumstances are a product of the Canucks' own decision-making. And if they had had this kind of discipline with the move that they just made, right? If they had it earlier, they would be in better shape. But that's not how it went down. And you hope that now... This is just a sign that, you know, this front office and this organization are ready to, like you said, take that step back. And I think the underrated part of this that I don't think a lot of people are talking about so far, at least, my probably my favorite thing about the trade, other than the fact that they got a first-round pick back, is Patrick Alvin said right away, Aturatu is going to Abbotsford. Like, he's yeah. not playing with the big club. And hey, like, we've watched this team. Is Aturatu right now a better option than Sheldon Dries and Jack Studnika? Yeah, probably. Well, hey, guess what? Those are, that's your third and fourth line center, and JT Miller is your second line center. Like, there's a good chance that Aturatu right now could be in the Canucks' top nine, and he's their best option in the top nine. But instead, as a 20-year-old prospect, the Canucks are making a conscious decision to send him down and get him to work with the group out in Abbotsford. Like... Th- what Aturatu could become by spending the rest of this season out in Abbotsford with the development staff and then being ready for next season, like, you you could... Right now, I think he's this team's third-line center. Like, I think he's their best option as a third-line center right now. And that's more... That isn't a glowing review of Ratu. It's more of a indictment on the Canucks roster construction and who they have in that role right now, right? And how GT Miller is this team's second-line center, basically, immediately. So... I like that they're just, you know, sending him to Abbotsford because it's best in the long term for Ratu. It's best for the team in the long term because they're going to be doing, like, 
Like, this is a tank, right? Like, this is a legitimate tank. They got rid of their leading scorer. They have a guy who isn't going to replace the goals that Bo Horvat gave you by any means, but he does make you a better team. Like, I I think Aturatu makes you a better team than, you know, what the Canucks are going to have on their third and fourth lines in the center position. Again, that's no disrespect to Jackson, Nika, and Sheldon Tries. It's just that Ratu's like a top, top end talent, right? And again, they're going to want to see him develop and... You know, he has some skill. He scored two goals at the NHL level. And again, like, I, I'm not I'm not trying to say this as a way of being, you know, mean to Jack Studnika or Sheldon Dries, but I just, like, Ratu's probably the best option. And the Canucks probably know that themselves and are looking at it and saying, you know what, it's better if this guy develops. And I think that's the best part of this trade is not only did they make the trade, but they made it clear, at least to me, that they're tanking on this year. Like, they're, they they want good habits built, and they're not worried about wins and losses. And again, that's right in line with what we've heard Rick Tockett saying. And again, like, that's that's all I've wanted from this organization for the past number of years. But especially this year, you really wanted to see them make a move like this where, you know, it wasn't, okay, well, we traded Bo Horvat, and now we've got a young center who we're going to place in the lineup right away. And again, I know that Ratu's no Alex Newhook, and, you know, Newhook would be in the lineup right away, but... The fact that they're so open about it and just saying like, hey, he's going down to Abbotsford. We really trust the development staff out there. I really like that from the Canucks. Yeah, what I think it does is it also gives you a chance for, I mean, to seriously like develop your NHL third line for years to come, right? Like you have the option now with Ratu to say, okay, Niels Huglander, your first line left wing. Ratu, your first line center. Pod Coles in your first line right wing. Do that in the HL. Let them play together. See what they look like. See what works with them. See what doesn't work with them. Like you're building your NHL third line right there in the AHL, which I think is a huge thing for this organization to do. And, and I'm with you where like I, I was very happy to hear from Patrick Alvin uh, yesterday at the, at the press availability was like that he's going to the AHL. Ratu is going to the AHL. He's going to play there. He's going to develop. He's going to be excitement for the fans out there down the highway. Like, I, I think this is a big win in the prospect that you got here. Obviously, like, I, I would have I would have liked to see a defenseman. I think a lot of Canucks fans are kind of thinking the same way, where, hey, it would have been great to pick up, you know, I think Scotty Morrow is a guy that we've brought up so much. Like, that would have been a, a great addition to the team as well. But I do like the fact that Ratu's already here in North America. He's already playing in the HL. He already has scored some goals in the NHL. Like these are all very good things for a guy who just turned twenty uh, back in November. Like this is this is exciting stuff. This is a prospect where um, I, I people have been asking me like, where does he rank in the prospect rankings? Like, because I the funny thing is we we're supposed to drop the top ten rankings. Uh, that obviously got pushed, but that'll still be coming up on Canucks Army. I think we're just going to put Ratu at number zero, right? Like, I because I don't know exactly where to rank him, but he's absolutely in that tier of you know Jonathan LeCaramacchi, Elias Pettersson he's he's in that tier and he may be the best of the three um, just from what he's done I know he was a second round pick but from what he's done since being drafted his stock has you know it's gone up since that time that he was drafted in the second round so it'll be interesting to see what happens with Ratu I think now's probably a good time to uh, cut to Tommy if you're good with that are you good with that quads yeah let's okay. let's get to Tommy and then yeah yeah Perfect. Okay, so um, this is my seatmate, actually, uh, at uh, Canucks game. So up in the press box, Tommy sits next to me. Uh, he writes for a outlet in Finland, but covers the whole NHL. He's had some good chats with Atiratu in the past. So um, this is just me chatting with Tommy Koivinen. Uh, and uh, I hope that, that we get to this interview right now because he hasn't answered my text this early in the morning yet. So if not, we may just continue the episode. If not, here's Tommy Koivinen to chat about Atiratu. 
One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. All right, guys, and joining us now, he's my seatmate, actually, at Canucks uh, in the press availability. I know Tommy laughs because I always have to uh, ask him how to pronounce Finnish names, and I'll do it off the top. Tommy Koivinen joins us here. Tommy, how do you pronounce Atu Ratu? Am I saying that correct? I always ask you these questions about the Finns. <laughs> uh, morning, Chris. Uh, thanks for having me. Um, so it's Atu Ratu. Awesome. How you pronounce it? It's I, I difficult. Love it. I love the way you roll the yeah. R's. You told me. Can you do Lekaramaki <laughs> for me, right? Because it sounds better when you say Lekaramaki or how you say it. <laughs> so it's um, Lekaramaki. There it is. I'm not sure if the Swedish people do it that way. I'm quite sure it, it, it must be close. Uh, at least in Finnish, it's a Finnish name. So, so yeah, Lekaramaki. Perfect. Well, Tommy, you, you cover the NHL as a whole. You're here in Vancouver, but you cover it for back home from Finland. Uh, I'm sure this is, you know, kind of interesting for you being in Vancouver. We're going to have Abbotsford down the road. That's where Atu Rati is going to play uh, for the rest of the season here, it sounds like, or potentially get some time in the NHL. Uh, I'm just curious because, you know, Atu Ratu was a player that was selected in the second round. There was a lot of hype for him when he was 15, 16, 17. He was in that range of kind of being talked about as one of the top prospects, but he slid quite a bit. What happened in the year where he was getting drafted that made him not be that top three prospect anymore? Yeah, so actually I think he was still in early 2020, not only in Finland, but I think like international and like on global level when he saw some draft rankings and so on, he was talk about potentially being number one overall in the in the draft um, but he had a really difficult season like pre-draft pre-draft season um, I'm, I'm not exactly sure of all the reasons why why it wasn't that good but for example his his last season's coach who was Oli Okin and the old, old NHL player I was speaking him, with him before this season and he said it's never about his work ethics or, or or the amount of work he put in. He just had a really rough season, like 
photograph. Um, and kind of, I would say, so, so I'm jumping like to last year. Um, he, he had a, he just couldn't break through in, in Karapat, which is like one of the top teams in the Finnish league. Um, and it showed also after his draft. So this is the beginning of last year and, and, and he played six games and had only one assist with the team. Then he got traded to, to Jukurit, which is where Jokin and coaches. And, and with them, he had like 41 games, 40 points. So, so I would say part of his difficulties for, for the past couple of years was probably just being at the wrong place, even though it was his, his, um, how do you say? Well, his club where he had been for a long time in the junior. Right. It's kind of interesting to see that. I mean, you, you make that jump. You talked about it. Like Car Carpat was the team that he was with his whole life growing up, but he seemed to have success yeah. when going to Euchre. And I, I'm curious, like after he was drafted, he goes and he has that really good season in Liga where he was second in team scoring behind uh, former Canucks prospect Petrus Palmu, uh, who was the captain there as well. Uh, just watching that, how do you think – like, how have you viewed him? I'm sure when you saw him at the draft and he was a second-round pick, it was like, ah, you know, like he, he has a first-round talent behind him. But that year in Liga, does that really jump him up as kind of being back to that level where you're like, huh, he feels like a first-round prospect after what he did uh, with that season in Liga where, listen, as, as an 18-year-old, he put up 40 points in 41 games. That's pretty impressive. Like, I'll, I'll ask you this. Like, not a lot of 18-year-olds are able to do that in Liga, it feels like. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure not. And, um, yeah, that's what I thought also yesterday when, when the Canucks GM Patrick Alwin was talking about basically kind of getting three first round picks or, or so. Um, yeah. I think this is something he said. It was a bit weird way to say <laughs> something, but in a way I understand what he's meaning because Ratu for, for many people felt like, uh, at least I, I'm quite sure. The Islanders fans and, and organization and all, all all thought last year when he had such a season that they really got a steal, steal out of the second round. So yeah, to your question, for sure, I think, I don't know if he's, yeah, if you can yet say that he he's like um, fulfilled that potential or, or showed like he could be a player. Many people thought that when he was 16, but I'm sure he's really potential like top six guy in the NHL and I think if every, everything goes his way um, he should be able to, to one day be a player who I don't know you know scores some points same points as, as Paul Horvath has been doing not maybe this year but like mostly of his career yeah and I think you know just from watching like all I've really seen up to this point and I'll be able to watch a lot more of them this week with uh, the Canucks not playing any games but what I've seen so far is the goals in the AHL that he's scoring. He's uh, a player that I think I think a reason why he slid in the draft was people talking about his skating and some from some yeah. of the from some of the goals I've seen. Uh, he scored a couple in overtime winners in the AHL this year, where he just flat out beat defensemen. He beat players in the AHL, and I know that. There's a big speed difference from the AHL and the NHL. You've been out to Abbotsford with me. We've seen this. But yeah. do you think that there might have been some improvements there? Like, to put up the points that he did in Liga after going through a season where he put up six points in 35 games, he follows that up by having 40 and 41. Like, I have to think there was some improvements to his game. It wasn't just about being on a different team. Uh, yeah, for sure. Well, 
well, well, he really got, he really didn't didn't get an an real chance in 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 Karpat in 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 the top lines, and the coach didn't really give him big opportunities. I remember Otto talking about um, Jokinen after his probably his first game in Jukurit that, that, that like about the confidence level, and so when the, you really got like positive feedback from the coaches and, and all kinds of stuff and, and obviously he got much more minutes in the Ukraine. He played over twenty minutes a game. He mm. he got power play, short handed and all. So I am sure it was um a big confidence thing. But yeah, his skating has been improving a lot in, in past couple of years. Um I was actually talking with Kati before this season uh, and he said like yeah he's always worked a lot for his skating but he's always like since he was young, he's, he's been feeling that, like, oh God, like, don't, how don't I get better in skating? Like, he's, he's put the hours in, but he's, he's just not been able to, to improve as, lo- as much as probably some, some other guys. But lately, like, past couple of years, his, his, his skating has gone uh, much better. I guess we'll kind of wrap up with this. And first of all, to that point, I'm excited because the Canucks have Mackenzie Braid as their skating coach out there in Abbotsford. I know a lot of people are very high on him uh, as a skating coach, so I'm sure uh, Atu is going to be able to spend a lot of time with him. Just from, you mentioned it, you've talked to uh, Ole Jokinen, you've talked to Atu himself. What what should people know about this guy, just like maybe as the person that he is? Because obviously you've had some conversations with him. Like what type of guy is he? Because is he? I've I've seen all of his goals and he's just screaming, let's go, boys, after the end to everyone. So yeah. I'm kind of curious, uh, what kind of guy, what did you learn about him in those conversations with Atu? Um, yeah, so first of all, I probably, I, 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 I haven't met him even, even. I'm quite sure I haven't met him ever, but I've, I've had a few like quite long phone calls with him this year, and and I would say he's a very humble guy, but still seems to have very strong self confidence, and and overall seems like a really great guy. Uh, I'm I'm sure he's going to be fun to talk to for you. Um, like I would say he's more much more talkative actually than than the stereotypical Finnish hockey player. So just overall a great guy, and and I think they loved him in in. In Long Island, also, what I've seen some some clips, I think he's kind of this. He enjoys for me. It seems like he enjoys doing media media stuff also, and okay. and so on. So, just good. great person. What I know. Awesome. I'm wondering if he's going to have Patrick Laine's suit game. Is he one of those uh, Finnish players? Do you think uh, he might have that? <laughs> um, I I I don't think so. I don't think so. I'm not sure. I haven't seen his suits. Well, I'm excited to be out there in Abbotsford. I know you and I, you and I have already talked about it. We're going to get out to Abbotsford for that first home game. Uh, so, are you going to are yeah. you going to be in the media scrum with me? Because I don't think I, I rarely have another media member there with me in Abbotsford. You're normally <laughs> off because you've come with me out to Abbotsford before. But you're off with the Finns. So, are you ready for like an English interview with him alongside me? <laughs> uh probably. Or then I just have to wait for your interview to end and, <laughs> and then take good stuff and finish. Yeah, I get all the good stuff, right? <laughs> Awesome. Yeah, I know, but, but but as I said, he's 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 really good in English also, and I'm sure you'll get uh, good stuff out of him. That's awesome. Well, we're looking forward to it. And like I said, I'm, I know you and I are going to be out there pretty quick out in Abbotsford. So, Tommy, appreciate you jumping on uh, the Canucks conversation here for a little bit, man. It's uh, your first time on the show, and we'll have to do it again when we uh, get some more watches on Atu. Uh, thank you, thank you, thank you for having me.
And a big thank you to Tommy Koivinen for joining us there to chat about Atu Ratu. Um, and if not, we'll just continue on the podcast here, Quads. Um, I, I think we have... I think we've wrapped up the Ratu talk. Do you want to go to Bavillier here, uh, or Antonio Bavillier, as Patrick Alvin called him last night? Honestly, can we just talk about Bavillier on Wednesday? Like, I, I, yeah, sure. I, I want to say something because as you were talking in the last segment, I, I was thinking, I was sitting here thinking, and the amount of flexibility the Canucks have from just having two first round picks now, it, it it got me thinking, right? And one of those picks is probably going to be in the top 10, right? Like, knock on wood, the Canucks don't go on a heater. But one of those picks is probably going to be in the top 10. If the other one is in the top, you know, um, top 15, top 20 of the draft, Chris, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw something at you, okay? I'm going to throw a scenario at you on the spot, and you can think about it, okay? Did you, I think you might know where I'm going with this. But it just, it got me thinking, what would it take... If the Canucks got, let's say, the sixth, sixth overall pick, okay? What would it take for the Canucks to move up to draft Connor Bedard? Obviously, it would be both of those first-round picks. Obviously. That's where it starts, okay? So you've got the sixth overall pick, and I'm going to say you have the 17th overall pick from the Islanders. What does it take for the Canucks to move up to first overall and get Connor Bedard? I here's what here's what I because a lot of people have asked me this. Uh, a lot of my friends uh, back on the island have asked me this. The people who don't follow hockey quads, so I'm not, sh- you know, I can't believe you're coming <laughs> at me with this. I I think it would take the sixth, it would take the 18th, it would take Elias Patterson. And I don't think. Listen, I'd love to see Connor Bedard in a Canucks jersey more than anything, but I don't think it's worth it in the end. Like I, I don't think whatever the the ask is going to be, it's going to be worth it because yes. Connor Bedard, it's likely that he's going to be an absolute star in this league. There's a chance that he is a franchise player for you. But, man, could you imagine moving on from multiple first-round picks, moving Elias Pettersson in that trade, and then having him not work out? Like, how bad that would be for your organization if he's just, like, a very good player? Um, I I just don't think the value would actually end up being there to move up. Listen, if if it's something like moving 6th and 18th and, you know, the next two years first-round picks, like, I'd be into that, but I don't think it's going to be that. I think it's going to need to be uh, a Quinn Hughes or an Elias Patterson in that deal plus a couple of first-round picks to get to the number one just because, I mean, the legacy that Connor Bedard's already built as, like, a teenager is just incredible, and he's going... If you're going up to number one, it's going to be too big of an ask, I think. I As much as I'd love to see this kid play here, I think it's going to cost you a Patterson or a Hughes. I just think it's too much. Am I crazy? I don't think yeah, I'm crazy. right. This is... No, absolutely not. Absolutely not. And again, I uh, I was bringing it up because I was uh, I was I was curious what your response would be. But this is reminding me of when Jack Hughes was being drafted, and people were saying, "Well, give him uh, Yolevi Vertanen in tenth overall, and that'll get it done." Um, so we'll see what the trade packages that folks come up with are. But yeah, you're you're probably right that it is Elias Pettersson that's gonna it's gonna cost you. And again, I think both of us are gonna agree and not make a great conversation out of this. That uh, yeah, that's probably not a price that the Canucks should be willing to pay. So I ask you this, Chris. I'm gonna pivot a little bit here. And again, we're gonna talk about it a lot on Wednesday, and I'm sure all throughout the off season leading up to the draft. What do you most want to see the Canucks do? With that first round pick. And I know your answer might change over time. And I'm sorry to just make the conversation all about this. But what, like, what do you want to see the Canucks do with that pick? I would like to see them draft a defenseman with that pick. I... I think that there's some options for you um, later on in the draft. I Depending on where it is, right? Like, if, if, if the pick is, uh, let's say, 
you know, in the 13 to 18 range. I think there's a really good forward you could find there as well. Um, Axel Sandin Pelica feels like he's the right shot uh, Swedish defenseman who makes a lot of sense. Obviously, we, we kind of know the Canucks love to draft Swedes, so he makes a ton of sense if he's there for the Canucks in that range. Uh, I just think that uh, Sandin Pelica, ASP as I've been calling him on the podcast, I, I think he's going to end up moving up quite a bit on a lot of people's rankings and end up being like a top 12 pick. Uh, so you, you have some options kind of later on. There's that, there's the, uh, the Swiss defenseman, Rhinebacker. Um, I think he's playing in the, in the uh, Switzerland league right now. He's like an option late in the first round. There's a few guys, a couple guys out of Russia. I think Caden Prince, uh, is the, is the Kelowna rocket defenseman. Like there are some, some guys that you could get late in this draft that could add to your defense prospects. And I really think that no matter what you do, that late, first round pick that you're going to get like that first round pick from the Islanders, unless it ends up becoming uh, basically like a top 10 pick in next year's draft. I think you absolutely need to use that to either draft a defenseman or make a trade for a very young defenseman that you're super high on. So uh, all in all, like I know Canucks fans wanted to see a defenseman come back in the bull Horvat deal. I think, you are going to see a defenseman come back. The Canucks should absolutely use that asset to get yourself a defenseman, whether it be drafting or trading for that first round pick to me, 100% needs to be spent on a defenseman. Yeah. Okay. I absolutely agree with you there. And again, before we close out here, no disrespect to Anthony Beauvillier. We'll quickly talk about him. Uh, the one thing about Beauvillier <laughs> that I was interested about, Chris, was yesterday how Alvin was saying, you know, he's someone that's going to f- play the Rick Tockett way. And he talked about how he likes him on the forecheck. Um, you know, he likes what Beauvillier is going to bring to the Canucks lineup. So I ask you this, Chris, uh, do you like what Anthony Beauvillier is bringing to the Canucks lineup? And more importantly, I'd say the salary cap uh, as he signed for next year as well. Yeah, I think like... If you look at this from a positive point of view, you can think, okay, maybe he plays with Pedersen or JT Miller and is able to find some offense and he can be dealt at next year's draft. Or maybe, you know, he's the type of player that you want to invest or next year's draft or trade deadline. Like maybe he's the type of player that the Canucks are higher on than a Connor Garland so they can move on from him. Or maybe they like Bavillier more than Brock Besser. Like I do think that it creates a little bit of opportunity where now these wingers have to battle, right? And I know Harmon asked, uh, Patrick Alvin a question yesterday about the wings and he was Alvin was saying like it's good for the competition for these guys to kind of battle like they're yes they're very deep in their top nine wingers and yes they've spent a lot of money there but it's you know by the sounds of it and the way that Alvin has answered questions they are going to move on from some of that money it's going to be difficult though right like moving winger money is hard in the NHL so I think there's going to be some work to do for this Canucks team to reshape their roster still um, they are now in a point where they've added a couple of assets, which is good. I think you getting, you know, getting the center and Ratu, getting the, the draft picks great. Having this guy kind of be thrown in there, Bavillier, like from what I've heard from people who have watched a lot more of him than I have is that he does play that, uh, he's got some pace. He plays with some grit. He plays bigger than 5'11. Like he feels like the type of player, uh, that Rick Tockett is going to like just from what I've heard. Like uh, this is not, I, I don't like saying something about a player if I haven't spent a lot, enough time watching them myself. This is just what I've heard. Uh, he seems like a Rick Tockett pocket type of guy so it'll be interesting to see how he looks uh with this Canucks organization and he might be the guy that makes more sense under the new system than a Brock Besser or a Connor Garland or you know one of these other wingers that they just don't really like as much because of the style of play it'll be interesting to see and Bavillier's 25 right like it's not like he's 
he's 28 and kind of at that same age of Horvath, he's still pretty young and in that kind of range where, listen, the Canucks have talked about being in a retool, not a rebuild. So I think they're going to give this guy all the chance in the world, all the opportunity in the world to just look like someone who can fit on this team for the next couple of years. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. Um, I think he's a player that, just from what I've heard and the way people talk about him, he is going to be a guy who brings a ton of effort every night. So at least that's a good thing uh, to hear that he's not so much of a perimeter winger. He's actually some guy who knows to like get into the dirty areas uh, and be able to grind out for pucks. Like I, you know, giving the guy the best shot in the world, he's still 25. So I think that's a good thing in the end is that he isn't, you know, 28 or getting closer to 30. At least he's 25 and the year next year doesn't really worry me that much because I think he's going to get an opportunity to play with some pretty good centers to put up at least a lot of points. Best case scenario, he either stays with this team long time, they really like what he can do, they have him at a decent cap moving forward, we'll see what happens there, or they end up dealing him at next year's trade deadline because his values, you know, has gone up since the Canucks traded for him, so I don't think it's the worst throw-in. Like, I think the money needed to work there for the Islanders, that's why they did it, and by the way, we, I don't think we've mentioned that there's a 25% retention uh, on Bo Horvat's contract, and that's what kind of made this money work, was taking Bovillier's $4 million back, so... I don't really think it's that bad of like a throw-in roster player at this point. It would have been nice to see a defenseman, but I just don't think the Canucks were like going to get Noah Dobson out of this deal with the Islanders. Uh, so just taking Bavillier, the fact that he's a young winger, it's fine. It's a fine throw-in. I don't think it's a huge net loss, but I also don't think it's a huge net gain either. Yeah, absolutely. I, I Again, I, I don't disagree with you. And again, this conversation is going to continue tomorrow uh, and I guess uh, next week as well. We're going to be talking about this one for a while. Yeah, a couple minutes here. Let's just close out because obviously... We've covered this team for a while. We've covered this team with Bo Horvat as a captain. So uh, I'll let you start just like, you know, seeing Bo Horvat leave. How does that feel kind of right? Like we're not we're not fans of this team as much anymore. We're, we're people who cover this team and do it as our job. But Bo Horvat's been the guy that we've talked to probably the most right out of every single player being media, being on Zoom calls, being in the room. He's the guy that talks the most. And it's I think he's going to really be missed in this market. Yeah, I mean, Bo was the first guy I talked to for my Botchford project, and like when I talked to him, I was doing a story on Quinn Hughes, and I think I've told this story before, so I'll keep it quick, but I was doing a story on Quinn Hughes, um, I had my question ready, and it was a, I thought it was a great question, and I fumbled it a little bit, and Bo didn't give me a great answer, so I basically asked him the exact same question, and I didn't change the wording very much, and... He gave me an entirely different answer and didn't make me feel embarrassed about it at all. Like, he didn't, like, long pause or look at me weird or anything. He just, he, it, it was unbelievable. Like, I, I look back on it, I'm like, that was so nice of him to do that. And again, like, even this year, like, as someone who was there, you know, um, not as a member of the Botcher Project, but, you know, a member of the media, and I was working pretty closely with the Botcher Project fellows and making sure that they were all comfortable, that type of thing, um... He, he was talking to them as well, and he was doing a really good job. Even, even like, he knew he was on his way out probably, right? Like, he thought he was yeah. going to be a Canuck for life. Um, but again, I think he knew the writing was on the wall once this season kind of got going, and uh, it became clear that the Canucks weren't going to be coming to an agreement with him. Like, he, he was, you know, halfway out the door, basically, and he still took the time to do that. He'll be dearly missed in this market. Um, his work in the community, everything he did um, outside of the rink, like, you know, always stopping to talk to fans, always stopping for autographs, all that sort of stuff. Um, he will be missed for sure. Yeah, and I think this year being able to actually be in the room and hear him actually like joking with players, it's something that you see how he presents himself to the media. And it's, 
you know, a captain of a Canadian market, not going to say anything too wild, going to be able to take all the bullets that are going to be thrown his way. He's going to answer for this organization. But this year, the fact that we were actually going back into the room and you could actually hear him like, like he's a funny dude. Like he was, jo- you know, he jokes around with JT Miller. He jokes around with Elias Pettersson. He was a really good captain uh, of bringing all that room together. And I don't think that people really understood that as much from the outside looking in where, yeah, you probably saw some things on the ice where like, Bo got along with everyone for sure, but in the room it was like he was the he was a guy that really did have this room together, and I don't think there was factions in this in the in the room from being able to see what I saw this year. Bo joked around with everyone, made fun of everyone. Like he was actually a pretty funny guy behind the scenes. Then the mic would come out and he would be a little different. Like he would be you know typical captain captain answers, but man, he uh, he we've said this for a while. He's carried a lot of water for this Canucks organization. Right. And I think that's something that needs to be valued where I see a lot of people online over the past 24 hours ripping Bo because he didn't want to take a huge hometown discount. This guy took a hometown discount from the past eight years that he's been here from how much he's done for this organization. He had he has done so much for the Canucks organization over that time. And I have to imagine it wore on him quite a bit, but he never showed it. And I think that's incredibly impressive from Bo Horvat. So uh, we'll spend a lot more time on tomorrow's show, uh, kind of breaking down the the quotes from Patrick Alvin, a lot more stuff about this trade. Obviously, it's we've got you know 45 minutes tomorrow. Live chat's going to be open. I'm excited for it. Uh, it's going to be a fun show tomorrow to get back on the live. Uh, I'll finish it up here, Quad, but uh, I'll let you close out. But that's it for me. Um, great to get this episode out. Thanks to Tommy for joining us. Uh, you can close this thing. I don't know how we close out these episodes anymore, so it's all you. Huh. Well, we'll be back tomorrow in live shows all of next week uh, as well. So with that, for my co-host, Chris Faber, my name is David Guadrelli. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Canucks Conversation. Thanks for listening to Canucks Conversation. Hit the subscribe button to never miss an episode. How about keep it to a thank you, Jim? Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.